Hello and welcome to the Sport and Life podcast. Thank you for clicking on the button. I hope you are well. We are on Monday, May the 4th in the UK, still in the lockdown, although there's some notification from the government that may start to ease. People may start going back to the workplace in some uh, kind of order. Uh, good podcast today coming up, actually. Former Cruiserweight world champion, record number of opponents, fought, defended uh, the WBO title, Johnny the Entertainer. Nelson, his real name is Sir Ivanson, I think, but always known as uh, Johnny, and he's on good form. Uh, stay tuned for that. He's uh, been helping, I guess, inspire people online. He yeah, always has, but particularly in the lockdown with inspirational fitness videos, but also those tailored for people with injuries because he's carried hip injuries, knee injuries, back injuries as well. So uh, good to speak to him. And it, it kind of part of a, a conversation that I had during lockdown on, on the podcast with Tris Dixon, former editor of the Boxing News, and Obviously, Enzo Macronelli, another cruiserweight world champion last week, was the kind of defence of, of boxing in, in terms of the, the impact and the collateral damage caused by boxing on people's health, particularly with uh, brain damage and things like that. But Johnny's kind of great example of someone who's uh, had his life turned around by the sport, found mentorship and almost a fathership from a, fa- a father figure in Brendan, uh, his, his trainer, and Brendan Ingle up in Sheffield. And I think it's pretty inspirational defence of the sport in that sense for those people who critique it, particularly people who haven't needed to box, perhaps more opportunities, educational opportunities, social opportunities, maybe more self-esteem because of the way they're parented, all that kind of stuff. So it's an interesting kind of uh, conversation around that. Uh, podcast in association as ever with Bang & Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, expert installators of uh, top quality entertainment and Jason and his team based in Montpellier in the courtyard in Cheltenham not currently at that shop, although it may relax soon, I'm not sure quite how that will happen, but they're certainly available remotely through the Bang & Olufsen Cheltenham website and indeed social media. I know they're on Instagram and Twitter in particular, but contact Jason and his team if you want some Bang & Olufsen equipment or you want Serene uh, AV to, to bespoke, deck out some kind of room for an event or whatever it might be, or indeed if you, if you have any ongoing issues with existing equipment, they can consult with about that and with Cytoplan supplement company which my dad's consulted for for decades and is a company based in Wellen near Malvern in the sort of southwest Midlands area of the UK we've taken the supplements for 20 years or so so I need to order some more uh, but if you want a discount from those guys Immunovite is the one that my dad is a GP doctor and a nutritionist he advises it one called Immunovite with selenium zinc vitamin C among other uh, aspects of, of, of health boosting ingredients and I-double-M-E-U-N-O-V-Y-T-E, Immunovite is a supplement. Cytoplan, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N is the website. If you type in Draper, all, uh, all capitals, my last name, and then 10, the, uh, the numeral uh, numbers, one, zero, you will have uh, a 10% discount. Anyway, let's crack on with the podcast. Johnny, the entertainer, Nelson. The entertainer, Johnny, how are you? I'm fine. Should this be visual or is it, is it just that? Um... It's just oh. audio. It's just oh, audio. Okay. I right. didn't want you upstage me with your, uh, your muscular frame. So, I wanted... <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're, we're, we're in the room. I know. Well, it's, a bit, it's a whole new world, isn't it? Have you been trying to download Zoom and VMix oh and all this yeah. stuff as well? I don't, I've never felt so old. <laughs> Zoom, uh, something called house party. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's like, I've, I've got to get my daughter down. Every time I, uh, I bang on the door, come and help me, they're like, oh, Dad, why yeah. have you got a phone? Why have you got a phone? Well, I'm, I'm 38 and I had to get my wife to film me for a TikTok video for some sort of Sky-related charity doing uh, jumps. Over. Not that I've got anyone who follows me on TikTok, so I had to create the, event, the actual thing for that. But yeah, just trying to l- learn how to use that with the Eye of the Tiger theme tune. And yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of well, test, testing the old brain cells, but I suppose we're, yeah, we're growing it, aren't we, a little bit if we, <laughs> yeah. we get, get to the end of this. Oh yeah, uh, speaking of TikTok, that's I did that. My daughter set me up with that one. I thought, oh my God, but I didn't realise how much how many people saw that silly stuff. So uh, yeah, putting a bit of a bit, 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 bit of a predicament, but hey. It gives you a bit of a headache <laughs> when you open it though, doesn't it, the TikTok? Because you just have this <laughs> music blaring at you. I, 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 I said, <laughs> when did you send a text? Yeah, <laughs> no. Well, I sort of uh, I said to my friend, he kept calling me on sort of Zoom. Or so. I said, why don't we just ring on the phone and just, we don't need to see each other, do we? But it's, uh, <laughs> it's quite funny how the whole world changes. But how have you yeah. have you found lockdown? You've been busy, I know, from following you on, on Instagram. You've been doing your workouts and yesterday your back exercises, but you're quick to point out you'd already been working out before that. And that's yeah, you're, uh, out of well, breath. I know, well, you know, I just think uh, this is a time where 
it's, you know, it's a time for community, it's time for families because it's very hard for, I'm quite sure, for some people at home that you can be at home and realise you don't actually like the person you're living with. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and, Especially uh, if you're on the road so, a lot of the year like you were, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so that can be hard. Uh, but I, I live in a, a sort of an odd situation because I've got my ex-wife living next door, two of my daughters living next door. Jordan lives the other side of town with my granddaughter. Wow. So so that's not bad. So we, we just kind of all stuck stuck together, but that's not that bad. But I, I do get it's very hard, mm-hmm. really. Nothing's really changed because when I don't work, I'm at home most of the time anyway, but unless I'm at the gym, I just mm. get at home, that's all. So it's just getting some home improvements done and stuff like that. And you've got your horses, have you? St- are you able to see yeah, your horses? Yeah, horses, horses and everything. So the horses need tending to. So it's just it's just the world's quiet, that's all. Mm. And uh, it's a, a worrying time, but the world's quiet and uh, or quieter. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you now, when this lockdown's over and everybody's back to normal, give it a couple of months and everybody's <laughs> thinking, oh my God, I wish the lockdown was on again. Yeah, uh, well, there is, there is positives, aren't there? You definitely feel, you can be, yeah. I know people aren't sleeping well sometimes because of the anxiety, but actually if, you, if you're able to think that there's opportunity yeah. more to rest now than there was and, than, and, and exercise, like you say, before, before when normality was here. Uh, and the other thing is this, when things do go back to whatever normal is, uh, mm. I think the working week uh, and the way people work will change a hell of a lot because a lot of businesses that are existing through this mm. uh, have realized that they don't need as many overheads uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, in, within their business. So so the, the average office that is, I've got a friend that's got an office in Tower Bridge. He pays £6,000 a month for the wow. office. Uh, and he's been busy as hell and working from home at the moment. Mm. Uh, and so that must tell him, you know what, I actually don't <laughs> need this office. Yeah, um, because he's still busy, still putting the same or around the same kind of doing. Yeah, uh, so it's probably mainly a status thing more than anything else, and it's a trust in the in social media and, and technology to mm. to to do these things and get these things done. I understand if you're a new employee going into work and you've got to get used to that work culture and how things mm. work, so you'd have to do that initially. But um, I think the working week and the working structure will change rapidly and. And many people, yeah, their sleeping patterns have, have changed a lot. And, 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 and uh, because you know, they'll find themselves wide awake in the middle of the night because now all of a sudden their mind is functioning and not getting tired in uh, how it mm. usually does. Mm. Uh, so it's just learning more about ourselves, about our surroundings, about what's important to us. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it is a break for people, isn't it? Like saying, like your friend there, to reflect on what you're doing. Because otherwise, when you're hurtling along, you just you just feel like there's there's very little time to breathe, isn't there? And you suddenly you look up, and five years has gone by, and you think, how yeah. did that happen? Exactly, exactly. So it's just uh, it's just dealing with it correctly. That's all. Hello. So, uh, yeah, I'm still uh, there. Sorry. Yeah, that's um, sorry. That was just uh, that was my mind. I think there was an interference there, but. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting time, isn't it? Uh, the whole thing, Johnny. Yeah. And what what do you make of the situation with with your sport, with boxing? Because I guess there's got to be concern financially for for guys as well, because it's a free, freelance industry, isn't it? Massively in and out of the ring. Well, boxing is like we're like cockroaches. We survive almost <laughs> anything, uh, and 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 it for hundreds of years, and it will still do that. Um, uh, uh, it's now it's come. It's the show business, and it's in the business side of it have got to adhere to uh, health and safety and do the right thing where making sure they take care of not just the fighters, but the fans as well. Uh, I think our fight game is, in, in, you know, you look at in comparison to everything, it's pretty small mm. and minute. So we, we, can, we, we should just sit tight and think, you know what, we've got to sit tight. Yeah, we will be back into business again. And that, that's, that's a given. Mm. If you're a fighter that depends on your, your, your fight money only, that's when it gets hard. And I at one stage in my career where I didn't work, I just boxed. Yeah. And and you kind of one 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 or two paychecks took you over two or three years. Then you could train all the time. If you're not boxing this period of time and you've not done the right thing, then you're, you're panicking a little bit. It's mm. a bit of pressure. But I do tell you one thing: when we do come back to bit get back into business, mm. I think what will happen is. Uh, you'll see a few upsets for the first six months. Really? Uh, because everybody's on an even keel now. Most, no, 95% of fighters are, are on an even keel. Everybody's at home. Mm. Everybody's, all they can do is train or not train. Uh, all they can do is, is, is just do what's in front of them. Uh, so usually fighters, when you come in at late notice or they've not had enough, enough time to prepare, that's why they've got done, uh, got the end up losing. Mm. Uh, but now... Everybody's on the level. Mm. You, you, unless you're the odd one or two, like uh, 
uh, Dylan White that's that's that in Portugal on lockdown there in training camp. Mm. But but most people be on the level. Is he so is he spa- be... is he sparring Dylan out there at the moment? Or... Uh, I know he's got a team out there with him. Yeah. So so that that can actually work. Yeah. Uh, so um, and he's and look looking at him, he looks in brilliant condition. Mm. But much better than last time he's on. So I believe that uh, unless you're fortunate like Dillian uh, to be in that situation, um, I just think it's going to be um, it's going to be in- interesting to see. Yeah, because I mean Eddie Hearn said that didn't he? This is an opportunity now for people to test their sort of motivation and mental strength to keep in condition. Because we know in the past that some boxers, obviously not yourself, Johnny, but have, have, have lapsed in between and used, you know, had a completely different mindset in and out of camp. But I suppose there has to be a kind of what sort of generic camp mindset at the moment without without the sparring. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. It's professionalism. So so physically, one will outdo the other when it comes to physically being able to have time, having time to prep. Say I give you a Floyd Mayweather or mm. Alvarez, you know, they'll announce their, their, who they're fighting eight weeks before the fight when they've already been trained in eight weeks before the opponent <laughs> even knows. Yeah. So, so now everybody knows. So now it's about mental strength because it's hard to get yourself motivated to, for, for a date that, that you don't know is when you, what's going to happen. Mm. Fights at home, they're bored. They think, what should I do? We all believe. We'll think, oh, I'll, I'll train tomorrow. <laughs> and, and so it's, it's, that men, it's having that mental professionalism and strength mm. to make sure you keep the right attitude and stay strong. Now, a part of the reason why, because I thought to myself, I'm actually... I don't mind this. And a part of the reason is, is, is one, because I spent, for six years, I spent on the road as a sparring partner, staying in horrible mm-hmm. little bed sits by yourself. <laughs> so you learn to entertain yourself. You learn to think, you get used to your own company. Yeah. Uh, and and, and so, so when I'm by myself, it's like, all right, I've got my kids pop, pop in now and again from next door uh, to eat. Mm. Uh, but that's it. Um, so, but, but they're going out and about all over the place. I don't miss that at all. No, it's a lot so it's less. About men- yeah, yeah it's, a, it's about mental conditioning. So, so fighters that are at home, they've got to be mentally uh, conditioned and professional in regards to how they handle it. Because if they're not, it will show when they come to fight. They've no excuse. Mm. They can't say they didn't have enough time to train. You know, because mm. no, most people haven't. I haven't sparred. I haven't, you know, most people haven't. So now we're all starting on a level playing field. That's why I said when we go back to business, for six months or so, that's when you're going to see mm. a couple of upsets. How, how quick do you think it can come back? Because I spoke to Daniel Dubois and he and his trainer, Martin Bowers, this is for the Sky Sports website, people can, can read the interview, but he was saying that, you know, I, I need about three, four weeks to spar before I fight Joe Joyce, whereas his coach, or Martin, was saying he wants, you know, two months of incremental sparring. What's your sense of I, I, when I, lockdown I, eases? I, how I, long I, I want to be optimistic. I want to be optimistic. I know a British Boxing Board of Control are saying, maybe June, July, when they'll get back into business. Mm. No promoter, no organisation can say when we're going to get back into business until the government say, right, lockdown's over. And nobody knows what the government's saying. Mm. Mm. Uh, I, I realistically think, because say, for instance, a promoter says, you know what, I'm going to put a show on. Yeah. If the government said something like, uh, yeah, on your head be it, if you put a show on, uh, health and safety is your responsibility. Number one, the fans, of, if the fans do come to it, the fans, uh, they've got to get over that scare bit. And then how is the promoter not going to be liable if somebody um, uh, contracts COVID-19? Mm. Who's liable? They'll say, well, you knew health and safety. It was your job to make sure this not. So, so no promoter, which are businessmen, are going to put themselves in that position. Mm. Now, I, so I think they're going to need a solid <laughs> uh, 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 step back from the government to say, off you go, back, things are back to normal. So they're not liable. Number mm. one, I personally, personally, I think for, for shows to be back to normal, I think you're talking September, October. I mm. honestly don't. I could be wrong, and and I like the I like the fact that Eddie and, and the boxing board are being optimistic and giving us hope uh, <laughs> at this time. I love that, and and I hope I'm wrong, but common sense tells you, realistically, yeah. it can't be any time. What would be safe for the boxers and what would it look like? Because I've, I've never boxed, you know, played other sports, but that, that kind of preparation for a fight, Joe Joyce told me he was doing virtual reality training ahead of facing Dubois and that helped a little bit with the reflexes and stuff like that. But yeah. how, what do you th- how long does it take to, to get that back? Listen, if you're gym fit, then mm. you, can, you can kick into it. And you, you, when I, I was always gym fit. It took me six weeks to get ready for a fight. Yeah. I was gym fit. These guys aren't proper gym fit. You know, they're not proper gym fit where they're taking over. They're hitting, you know, unless, unless they are, they've got a bag or they've got a skipping rope, then they can say, right, I'm training yeah. this guy here, but they've got a spar. 
you need to spar, you need to get your time in for a coordination spot on. So, so these things make a difference. So, um, uh, you've got to take all these things into account. So, unless you're fortunate enough to 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 be to have guys that are the size of a certain opponent you might fight, you're still going to wait on a date. When's the date? When's the fight going to be? You know. Mm. So these a lot of things are, are hanging on the thread here, um, and that's why. Uh, I again, I, I'd say you know you, you're talking up. You know, even if they said in June, July, right, everything could go back to normal. Mm. If I was a top class fighter. I'd say, right then, like, I want this fight. If I was George Joyce and, and Dubois, mm-hmm. I'd say, right, if you're telling me now I can, everything's back to normal, right, I need sparring partners, I need to, I need to get myself right. So yeah. that's where the business and the show conflict with each other. The businessmen will probably want to put it on now. The mm. showman will think, say, let me get myself ready. So that's mm. where there'll be a conflict. And that's when you're going to get one or two upsets. Would people be swinging and missing and stuff, do you think? Would it be that drastic if you haven't sparred for a while or is it instant, does it come back quickly if you've, if you've no, it'll come back but, but, but there's a thing called ring rust and, um, mm. and, uh, and if you've not been in, the, in this in, in sparring some guy listen likes, likes of Nigel Ben hated sparring he just <laughs> want to hit the bags and pads mm. but some kids need sparring I needed sparring to get my timing off getting that movement getting that, that feeling there so yeah. everybody's different but I think sparring is very important uh, it's got to be something that uh, is second nature uh, to you for when you get into mm. fire. John, what was interesting, Johnny, was um, speaking to Tris Dixon recently. He competed very briefly as a cruiserweight before obviously becoming a journalist and editor of Boxing News. And we were talking about boxing and he's got a book coming out called Damage and the, the conflict that, you know, I feel covering it sometimes I'm getting paid to cover a sport which I know gives people so much, but I haven't been a participant, so I don't know what it gives me. But then sometimes you feel the business side of it exploits some guys who, who are putting their health on the lines. I had Johnny Melfer, who fought a lot of the super middleweights in the 90s. I spoke to him. He's local to me near Cheltenham. And he's quite embittered about what happened. And I think he carries quite a lot of damage from, from the ring, knocked out by Eubank and Collins yeah. and people like that yeah. pretty, pretty swiftly. What, how, what do you think about boxing? And, and you round up the pros and cons, because obviously it gave you a lot both in terms of a glittering career at the end of it. But it seems like your journey was one of I guess education through the sport was it, yeah. and growing up through the sport. Yeah, exactly. And so boxing, because it's so direct, which is the, the, the aim of the game, is to make put your opponent unconscious or mm. to hit him more than he hits you. Um, mm. And, and uh, so because it's so direct, it's why we're open to so much criticism. That's why there's so many, that's so much dangers in uh, that's attached to our sport, even though there are more dangerous sports. So, so that's one. Uh, what they, um, the, unfortunately, the sad stories of our sport are the ones that are highlighted. Um, um, mm. uh, but you get it in most sports. But because our sport is so direct, it mm. makes it more scandalous, the sad yeah. stories in our sport. <coughs> uh, the, and and my, I can only speak from uh, experience and my experiences. But I learned to have a lot about the sport itself, about myself. As an individual, uh, it gave me discipline. It, it made me see and do things in life that I would never have done if I didn't mm. do it. I benefited massively out of this sport. Uh, and, and so choices-wise, if I had a chance to do it again, I'd do it all over again. Mm. Uh, and Unless you're in it, unless you appreciate it, unless you get it, unless you get that bug, you'll never understand it. Mm. And, and, and you look at the likes of uh, Spencer Oliver. He had to retire through, brain, uh, through a brain injury. Again, mm. he says, I'd do it again. <laughs> because, because, you, uh, and I know it sounds really prehistoric, but because, and people outside saying, "Why would you do that if it's it's, it's damn mm. so bad?" Because you learn so much about yourself. Yeah, you learn so much about human nature, about others. Uh, you learn so much about self worth, self discipline, uh, and and your path could have gone so in so much of a different way um, if you di- if you don't if you don't do it. Yeah. Well, we, had this, yeah, we had a conversation with Tris and he was saying that he felt that perhaps because he, he came from a professional background, his, I think his dad was a solicitor, my old man was a doctor and I played a bit of semi-pro football but never, it, it kind of encountered boxing really and it, we wonder whether it's different when you have, when it's a lack of opportunity or maybe a self-esteem issue the way people grow up that, that boxing gives them something more particular. Well, well, Ed, Ed, I left school with no, no qualifications. Yeah. I had the, 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 the handwriting of a, a 10-year-old. My yeah. reading was terrible. What are my uh, uh, opportunities have I got to look for? I love going to school because I could mm. go with my mates. I wasn't good academically. Mm. I was good socially. Uh, uh, and, and that's where my life started. I started to learn. That's when my life started again, mm. when I socially was put in an, in an environment where it suited me. So if you're an academic, 
then schools, college, universities suit you down to the ground. If you're a person that learns back through life, life's experiences are the thing that pull you through. So boxing did me a massive favour because it was yeah. the school I, need, I needed to mm. develop myself. So say, say, for instance, I didn't box. I'd still be undereducated. I'd still be, I still, I wouldn't have had the experiences I needed to get the wisdom where I am today. You know, these things would never have happened and, and, and I would be a completely different person. I know many people that boxed when I was younger that ended up in prison. Mm. Uh, mm. And I'm, I don't mean a little one, two year stretch. I mean, I'm talking 15, 10 year stretches. Yeah. So, so, so what I'm saying is that, and, and, that, and we all think in any sport, not just boxing, that you think it's not going to happen to us. I'm not going to get hurt. I'm not going to get brain damage. I'm, it's going to happen to somebody. Yeah, um, uh, unfortunately, that's that's part. But of it's that. happening in other sports, though. That's what we didn't realize. And what I said to Tris was that actually we didn't know. I thought boxers almost more aware of the risks than perhaps yeah. American footballers, rugby without players, football, without, soccer, without soccer players as well. Now with without about heading the ball. Yeah, without, but because our sport is so direct, that's why our sport gets so so criticised and so so villainised because uh, because it's so direct. Mm. Uh, but but we are well aware of the risks in our sport. Uh, whereas, what if you were in a sport where you weren't aware of the risk, mm. and and you were kept doing something that was making putting yourself at more risk, and you'd have no idea. So, um, um, uh, uh, because it's because it's all that as sport is so direct, as I say. Mm. Um, but it's interesting because you and I had a conversation where I asked you about, and I know obviously one of your daughters. You mentioned Jordan, who's become a mum, and that's fantastic. And I know her from working at Sky Sports as well. And I said to you, would you want your daughters to box? And, and you said no. Is that because it's, they're in a different position because of what you were able to give them? Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt, and I, I think, you know, I, I don't want to box because I know what I went through. Even though it, it helped me, I, I, I make them. I want them to go through certain things I went through in life, but not mm. all the things I went through to learn the lesson I learned uh, to be to be where I am today. Because some of it is very sad, uh, some of it is very lonely, some of it can be very testing mentally. So, so I, and knowing that, I don't want my daughters to go through that. But mm. I know it would make them into into women, into into mature, smart, sharp women. So the things yeah. I have taught them in life, I know they're sharp, I know they're smart. <laughs> Might not be academically, I know they can think past on their feet. Feet. Yeah. I know they're good with people. Uh, yeah. This is what this, and this is because of what I've learned through life, what I've learned through through my experiences of where, where boxing has taken me. Yeah. Um, uh, so I don't mind stopping for that to give that to pass that on to my daughters. Uh, but knowing, but the, so you look at the physical side of boxing. Uh, yeah, I know it hurts. I know, I know, I know it can be testing. I know it's dangerous. Mm. Uh, that side of it, you know, you learn to protect yourself. And if it's for you, you'll stick it out. So that side mm. of it, yeah, I want you to train, get yourself fit, get to know yourself, get to get to have some pride in who you are and how you look uh, and your stature. Um, I'll let you do that. I, and there's well, a, I have, yeah. have a problem with you doing that. Mm. There's also self-responsibility, isn't there, and accountability, which I wonder, when we look at, you know, COVID-19, obviously there's loads of data yet coming out, but clearly there are issues, underlying health factors around obesity and type 2 diabetes. Yeah. Do you think that boxing is such an individual sport? I know you've had a coach, and we'll, we'll talk about Brendan Ingle in, in a moment, how inspirational he was for you, but the, the, ultimately it comes down to you. Do you think that's an important lesson for all of us? Uh, yeah, it's down to you. It's down to your desire. And the, the one thing I learned... And it's a mantra I stick by is uh, find a way. You will always find a way. Mm. Uh, and and uh, I, I, I can remember the first time I got my second wind in a fight. Now, I'll explain <laughs> to you what second wind is. When mm. you train and you get to a point where you physically think you can't do anymore. You want to mm. pass out. You think I'm done. And every fighter goes straight in a fight between maybe round five to round eight or nine. And then yep. once you get past that second wind, if you can get past it, then you'd be able to run a marathon. Then your body's kicked in to overdrive. Then you've got on a different level. So, yep. so it's learning about yourself. If you don't get past that, every time you have that feeling of fatigue or you want out, hmm. you'll always quit. Yeah. Then it's like quitting becomes a habit because you're quitting everything in life, in relationships, in jobs, in any sport you do. Hmm. It's a habit that can grow, grow rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why sp- boxing is one of those sports where it's a transferable skill um, uh, mm-hmm. mentally, not physically. Well, I think it trains to be on the door or to be a bouncer. I don't know, but <laughs> but, uh, but but it's a transferable skill. Yeah, and that's yeah, why. 
that's why um, that's why it's so beneficial individually. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, part of the reason I was—I mean—I was inspired to start just this on the, the podcast on the, the side was—was was I spent so much time obviously on the ringside toe-to-toe podcast, and when I went full-time to Sky Sports, I couldn't continue that. But I loved speaking to all you guys and getting inspired. But I think something that the metaphor for boxing—I and I wondered why we're obsessed with all kinds of sport and why we're still in our you know thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, seventies still are obsessed with something that that young young people are playing was was that for boxing it's that sense of courage, isn't it? That for me, it's always you face your fears. You get in the ring. And I think there's a metaphor in there for, for life that despite yeah. that fear that you, you will go and, you know, do the job interview, go on the date, whatever it might be. That always translates to me. And I wondered what you thought with that in mind of the armchair critics, the people who haven't boxed. You know, people I've always felt with me and Tris talks about the fact that we've been trained as journalists in impartiality, you know, speaking to athletes, getting their opinions, but not offering too much opinions about people in boxing. I've always been surprised with the new media. And, you know, it's, it's a relatively, I guess, as the internet's exploded, you get people who write for boxing websites and stuff who are very judgmental of fighters yeah. having not gone in the ring themselves. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily healthy for those people making those judgments either, because I think sometimes it, it's a veil for it insecurity. What do, you, what do you think of it? Yeah, it limits the opportunity yeah. of getting anything authentic from any fighter because they won't be trusted. And, and mm. that's where the problem is. So, so, and, and you're right, you get some journalists that do that. They've never done it before. They're armchair critics. I mm. actually think, and, 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 and even sportsmen and women, uh, when it comes to sport itself, and you hear yeah. one time, I'm coming off Twitter, I'm coming off Instagram, I'm getting too much abuse. And I think of those sportsmen and women, I think they're stupid. Because I think to myself, how can you be the one that's getting up at stupid o'clock in the morning, training three <laughs> four times a day, eating and, 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 and neglecting, yeah, your, your normal life, and yeah. then and then you're doing all this, and you're like it's somebody who you don't know that's never done what you've done, say one word to make you think you're not good enough, where you're yeah. the one that's doing all the work and all the work in. So that's why that's why people like get upset. That's that's when negative things are said about them on social media. Don't believe it. But even when things are said yeah. positively about you in the media, don't believe. Yes, it. you know. So, so no. I remember having a fight with a guy, and uh, I was losing. I closed my eyes and threw a shot, got him and knocked him out. The next week in boxing news, it read Johnny Nelson toyed with him and then eventually took him out. I'm like, what? And Brendan said, that's why you don't believe in anything good or bad. That's said yeah. about you because, because you're, 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 you're running away with itself. You've got to be real and true, true to yourself. And when we're looking for those metaphors and those things you take to other aspects of life, and I look at your career, I always think, about the ability through sport to learn something difficult and to develop. And if you look at your boxing career, I mean, you lost, was it 10 of the first 13 fights? First three? Uh, I, yeah, and I then... lost three. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It is an amateur. I had 13 amateur fights. I only won three. As a professional, yeah. I lost my first three professional fights. So people think you need to have an unbeaten record and, and uh, you need to be, you have the, a big time promoter or be in America to get to the top and why you're going to do nothing. It's complete rubbish. Yeah. You know, because at the end of the day, yeah. it's you that has to do the job. I manufacture a fighter, and uh, and I can get him so far. I can get him to world title fight. But once I get him there, and he has to fight somebody who I can't control, or who I don't think is, is, a, is an easy fight for him, that's when he's thrown into the wolves. And there's been many mm. fights in the past that have been bigged up and, and, and pushed there uh, uh, as though they're the, the, the next heir apparent. And they've absolutely crumbled untested uh, and uh, mm. and so that's why it, it's a truth finder boxing is a proper truth finder you can't hustle oh you can only hustle so far in boxing and then eventually you get found what, out. what did you what did you get better at then was it technical stuff was it was it courage was it was it, it confidence it was, confidence. was, it was self-belief brendan always said i didn't have the confidence to match my ability and the problem was this mm. as a child i used to be a nervous kid and uh, mm. and i used to mistake mistake nerves for fear I didn't know I was nervous. Mm. I thought I was scared. And so when you mm-hmm. start boxing and people saying he's a coward, this kid's got no bottle, I actually believed him. But yeah. I was actually nervous. And it wasn't until I was out on my own and then I said, I was, and Brendan's trying to explain to me and give me courage and, and just make me understand the difference. And the penny didn't mm. drop. You've got to feel it. It wasn't until he sent me yeah. away and I was a sparring partner with so many different places and I thought, the penny had dropped. I couldn't have been in yeah. any more scary situations or uncomfortable situations and for me to not say, well, what are you actually scared of? What's the worst case scenario can actually happen? Mm. None of these people that you're mm. fighting or in the fight game have ever been where you've been. So now you should know there's nothing to be afraid of. 
you know, so and, yeah. and so it was. A, it, I mistook nerves for fear. Once I understood that, then I made I made nerves my friend, or should I say, fear my friend, and and yeah. and, and and then I loved it. I loved that feeling because now whenever I got that feeling of what I thought was fear. I thought, I know this is good. This is a good feeling. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, because it's a certain type of arousal, isn't it, as well, to get your adrenaline going and stuff. And I think it's interesting because I read the definition of courage. And when I think of boxing, it says that, you know, doing something in the presence of fear. And I've heard Navy SEALs and Marines talk about that, that actually it's not, they're not shut off to that, but they're just aware yeah. of it. And then you act with it in mind. You just don't get overwhelmed exactly. by it. And it's a difference. Everybody gets yeah. scared. Mike Tyson, he said, I used to get scared. Mm. I think this guy wants to kill me, but it's fight or flight. So he said, so yeah. I thought, I've got to get him before he gets me. So we all do have fear. It's just we all deal with it differently. The penny just didn't drop mm. with me until I got older. And it took time. And I had, to, I had to go through a lot of practical experiences to understand what was actually happening. Uh, some guys are mature men as, as teenagers. And they get that straight away. Or they're too naive to realize, see where danger is. Um, and, mm. and so it's just, it's all about timing. And that's why I say, if I didn't box... I would not be the person I am today. I know I don't think I wouldn't be. I know I wouldn't be. Um, mm. uh, and that's, yeah. and that's what boxing does for you. And that, it's interesting because um, I remember as a kid as well going to football trials for for clubs and actually almost hiding in trials. And I think afterwards I kind of learned a lesson from that. And not it's the same thing as <laughs> a sport, but when you're when you're at work and you're going to screen tests at Sky and all that kind of stuff, and you get that nerves. It's almost a you know an analogy there. I think in that sort of performance element of it and trying to kind of have that optimum arousal without without yeah. being carried away. But we talked. I remember talking about with you. Um, I believe down in Monte Carlo when we went to the yeah, Monaco boxing a year or so ago, we talked about Carlos de Leon and, and being on the streets of the city hall in Sheffield because that yeah. was your first world title. It was only a draw, yeah. wasn't it? It was, a, it was a draw, so it wasn't yeah. a disgraceful yeah. performance on paper anyway. But you said that that was a sort of sobering moment. But massively, because I, 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 I was always a boy in a man's body. And, uh, and Brendan said I was a mummy's boy. I'm thinking, why would you say I'm a mummy's boy? That's like, what? And, uh, <laughs> and, and then I, sh- I saw... The, the good and bad of human nature. Uh, uh, and that yeah. night when I boxed De Leon. And at the time, it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. In in hindsight, now it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I needed that. You've got to start somewhere. And that was my initiation. That was my night. That was my night because what mm. happened from then onwards in my career, that's when I, that's when I was life began for me. Uh, and everything that had happened mm. in life before that, um, it, which I thought was a big deal, it was actually a minute deal. I can remember boxing for the British title uh, on the mm. card of Nigel Ben against Michael Watson against Andy Strawn. I couldn't believe wow. it. Oh my God, this is it. I'm big time. <laughs> like, they were there for me. They were there for Nigel Ben and Michael Watson. I'm thinking, oh man, I'm thinking, God, don't lose Donald. And my whole world was on it. Now I look back on it, I'm thinking that was like a step. And, 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 I, and yeah. I remember Ali saying something like, people around him always worried about the little things. And so I'd be walking, my head's would be above the crowd, clouds, and I could see for miles, miles. And so I knew what I was, where I was mm. going and what I was doing. But the people that couldn't see above the clouds, they could see all the little potholes and the little trips and the little trees that were there. And they say, don't do this, Ali, don't do that, don't worry. And so he said, and they couldn't see what I could see. So they didn't understand how I could walk so confidently to, toward, do, uh, towards what I was doing. They were worried about the little things. So, so if you think now... Yeah. I'm quite sure five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, something, something significant happened, happened in your life and you thought, oh my God, and it was the most important thing in the world. Now you look back <laughs> on it and you think, really? Yeah. You know, it could be, it could it, be yeah. a relationship, it, yeah. it could be a job, it could be something to do with family. And, and that's why, so I look back on all these things at the time, they were the most important thing to me in life. And now I think mm. they were actually preparing me for today. Uh, they're actually yeah. nothing in comparison. Boxing in a British title, defending it in 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 a little mining village in Bolsover, where uh, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> again, again, from a, from a guy in a little mining village from Bolsover. To me, you know, th- all these things were were life changing at the time. But now I think, nah, yeah, you know. So so I'm not I'm not rattled by things that seem uh, worrying or or. or um, to put me in a situation because I think to myself, you know what, I've been in bigger and darker holes, you know, so. Uh... So when you, when you won the world title in, in 99 against Carl Thompson, did you become Completely. more relaxed in that? Because that, that's almost 
the key to any aspect of walk of life, isn't it? You, you always think people say to you, you should be amped up, you should be thinking about it, you should be focused, but actually yeah. sometimes it's yeah, the worst yeah, thing you can yeah. do. When I, almost, when yeah. I, I, I'd had a serious word, a serious word myself and then realised I'd experienced every aspect. I don't mean so many, I mean every aspect in our game apart from being a world champion. And so I, des- mm. I knew I deserved it. So I couldn't think of excuses for myself for why I should lose or why this guy might be better than me, which we do. We are our own worst enemy. Yeah. I, um, I, uh, I had no excuse. I had no reason. And I ticked every box in my head. I thought, Johnny, this is your time. This is <laughs> your time. If you lose this, you need to pack this job in. I would not have, and that's what I said. <laughs> I would not, was not going to box on. I, I, I'd have packed in because I had no excuse to lose. When I had one excuse to lose, yeah. when things were going bad in the fight, I used that excuse. Once I'd gone mm. through it all, um, then, then I thought, no, I knew I was going to win because I knew nobody else in the industry had, had done what I'd done up to that point. And Brendan told me that. And, all, and, every, and so I knew it was going to mm. happen. Um, and that's when, at once I won the title, it wasn't just about winning the title. It was about, because when I mm. won it, I thought, is that it? You know, I thought, I thought it'd be a lot more than this. And um, I say to people, when mm. I talk... Got Tyson Fury said, wasn't it, first yeah. time against Klitschko? And I say to people, uh, when they do talks, um, you've got to be careful what you wish for. Because once you get it, if you're using that as your motivation, your drive, your, 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 mm. your, your engine, once you've got it, then what you your motivation. So, so I, yeah. you get some fighters that their life's goal is to become British champion. So once they've done that, they're going to do nothing else uh, as, with as much mm. passion, desire, want. Yeah, yeah. Limiting so kind of belief. European. So once you get a world, that's some guys, it's the world. I remember, and I always use Barry McGuigan as the, the, the example. Uh, every time he boxed for Barney Eastwood, I want to thank you, Mr. Eastwood. Yeah, I can't wait to get my world title shot. And, and, it was a really, and he was a real people's person. Uh, I loved him. It was mm. a great... Yeah, ITV were behind him or BBC were behind him. It was, it was great. Once he won it, Brendan said to me, mm. he'll lose that in one or two defences. And I said, why is that, Brendan? He said, because that's all he wanted. So now, now all of a sudden, yeah. he, he, his drive and ambition will not be the same as what it was to chase the world title. So people think it's harder getting a world title. No, it isn't. It's harder keeping it because you've still got to mm. be as hungry as as um, a hungry fire. So you have to, you yeah, have to switch exactly, goals exactly. almost and, immediately and, that, that night. Yeah, for something. Yeah, it's the perfect Monday example. I can think of another example: Buster Douglas. I can keep doing that. Floyd, Patrick, I can keep doing it. <clears throat> you look mm. at Andrew Ruiz for the, the listeners mm. that are listening now. Andrew Ruiz became a multi-millionaire yeah. overnight. Andrew Ruiz became famous, world famous overnight. So from a fighter that that I'd probably have to queue up to get in a club and nobody knew him outside his hometown. That he was worldwide, and he was mm. super famous, and he and he didn't enough money to take care of his family um, uh, for life. You know, all of a sudden, his drives, his ambition had changed. His his focus had changed, and so mm. there's, and they, uh, a, there's a responsibility to being a champion, and and fighters that aren't champion don't realize that's a responsibility until they get it. Now that's why I say always say be careful what you wish for, and uh, and because it, it's so important. Mm. And the fact that, yeah, and it's, yeah, it's fascinating that, isn't it? The, the fact is that Andy Ruiz was still as good a yeah. boxer the day before he got became a millionaire as he was afterwards. And suddenly it's keeping that ego in check that you suddenly think differently of yourself in an, an inflated way, I suppose. Was that, was that part of managing your ego? You yeah. went through a kind of epic run, didn't you? Because you went then six years deep into your 30s. You were, you were in your 30s when you became a world champion and then you, you maintained it. Was that yeah, I, a maturity I, that you'd reached to that yeah, level where you could keep, keep the ego in check? Seen, Champions lose. I've seen champions or uh, potential champions there just just lose because of ego, because they didn't listen, because they didn't write. So I had to learn from every lesson that I saw in front of me. And so with me, I knew mm. once I'd won the title, uh, one, it wasn't all I wanted, and two, it, boxing was just. I knew boxing was just a, a part of my life, step in life, and I never felt like. Mm. Um, I never felt like I never felt complacent. I knew I'd never lose again um, as a champion because mm. I knew I'd done everything expected, and I was totally honest with myself. So when when you're totally honest with yourself, mm. when you do good or bad, I w- I'd not be shaken, rattled, or, or or shaken by anybody 
no matter how negative they, they <laughs> were, even if it was 50 people against what me, there would be ne- I would never be rattled by them mm. because I knew that they ne- they'd never been where I'd been. They, they didn't see what I'd seen. So I knew mentally yeah. I was so strong and strong enough to withstand anything uh, because after my first world title attempt, the amount of abuse I got, it was heartbreaking. It was hard. It was it was it was it was deflated. So by the time I won the title, mm. my I was thick skinned. I was single minded. I was I was I, I I knew I was my I was my uh, my chronicle, you know. And, and I had Brendan behind me to and tell me and guide me in what I was doing. And everything he said was happened happened. So I had no reason to doubt him, uh, or 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 and, mm. and but. When I had people around me saying, you're going to do this, that, and I'm thinking, you know what? I don't even have to be rude and tell you you don't know what you're talking about. I just, I'll just leave you ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, people, what people like to say with champions and, and contenders is they like to judge their decisions of, of who they fight and when they fight. And it's interesting because I, um, I've always been fascinated by the story of Dillian White. You mentioned him and I look, you look back at his history, his mum yeah. leaving him in Jamaica as a young boy and, and kicking around there. And it's, it's a real kind of, story of adversity he's come through gang warfare and, and being kidnapped and all this kind of stuff and it's you know the fact that he's managed to, to drive himself through is, is pretty impressive and I've, i wrote a piece to that effect i think after joseph parker he beat joseph parker wrote it for GiveMeSport.com, and i had all these people saying to me well, he ducked he wouldn't fight joshua for this much and he wouldn't he didn't fight pulev and, and all this kind of stuff and i said well you know what are we doing he has that right to choose his own destiny because there's almost a sense amongst fans that the boxers yeah, should exactly. fight whoever they and want that's to. what but but yeah, I like I like Dylan's attitude because Dylan he's he is raw and he says it exactly. There's no airs and graces, no games, and he reminds me about yeah. old Joe Fraser. Yeah, uh, 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 Joe Fraser is one of them. <laughs> where he said, "No, no, come on, that's what we're doing. You know, I'm not mm. going to play your media game. This is the situation." And and when he yeah. does that, then I then I think you know what I've got to rate you. You've got to respect him, regardless if you like him or not. You've got to respect him uh, because. Mm. Because you you earned your right, didn't you? And you chose your opponents. Presumably, you, you know, people would have said you should have t- fought him or him well, or whatever well, else. And so, actually, so, yeah, so people don't you know that was your, your, your decision. The boxer doesn't choose the opponent. The promoter does. It's show business. So he's going to choose the opponent mm. that one, uh, yeah. he may have a deal with another promoter. He may want to, want to, uh, may have bigger plans down the line thinking, I want to fight on this show here. So I'm, And so you can argue about it. So it's down to the governing bodies to govern who you fight, especially if you're at a world title level. Uh, uh, so if you say I want to fight Joe Bloggs, then the, the governing the, the governing body is going to say, "Well, <laughs> Joe Bloggs has no right to fight him. He's far too good for him. He's got to fight somebody that's within this top ten or top 15. Uh, yeah, it's all opinion. Yeah, it's all opinion, so, isn't it? That's how it works. Nine times out of ten, you, it depends on who you're. Unless you're Anthony Joshua, or you want the high barolas to say, "I want to fight him." You, you don't usually have a choice. You can have mm. a suggestion, but you don't usually have a choice who you'd fight uh, or they give you a choice of two or three people. Um, and so I never had a choice of who I fought, ever. And, uh, and, and, and boxers, mm. trust me, have massive egos. So we're not going to say, nah, I'm not going to fight him, he's too dangerous, he'll do me. We would never say that. Uh, so, mm. so Anthony Joshua will never <laughs> say about Taz and Few. will never say about Anthony Joshua. This is no. not their business, man, to say, no, no, you're not going to do but, that. I'm sorry, it's all right. But, 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 can, but yeah, can, can you privately say that, though, that, you know, because even it wouldn't necessarily mean you wouldn't fight someone, but you might think, oh, actually, I'm, I'm a, a 40, no, 60 underdog. Would you ever say that? that? Would you ever think big. that? So, so usually it's usually the fight. The per- yeah. fighter is the last person that knows when, when it's done. So, and usually you have advisors around you think, you know, mm. I know what this kid's limitations are. He'll do it because is it, as a fight, you need that kind of, ego and that self-belief but um yeah the fight will never stand up fighting him never you need to switch someone someone said it really well actually you need to switch the ego up don't you you need to have the ego in check completely in training camp be humble listen to your trainer imagine you're fighting this beast and, and work extra hard but once you get into yeah, the ring you have to, you have the to the kind of let that ego inflate to be to be yeah when they're uh, <clears throat> um um, uh, when when they when when they're doing really well, they get up there in the top. They forget how they get that got there. And uh, I give I give Prince of Singh mm. as a prime example. It got to the point where he was the one that thought I'm doing everything in the gym. You know, I don't need Brendan. I don't need you do mm. David Beckham. David Beckham without Sir Alex Ferguson. Naz wouldn't have been Naz without Brendan. Mm. Regardless of what they say, there's no evidence that shows they would. 
you know, yeah. because you see what happens when they when they work with these individuals. So so um, so so you need you always need that third eye, someone that knows you or knows your craft well enough to say, right, your craft, what you've learned, you're capable of doing X, Y, Z. I see that, uh, and uh, and the ones that that think that uh, they Brendan we- says they think they're chocolate and they end up eating themselves. Um, and that they're the worst ones. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's funny though because you um you mentioned Brendan there, and it's something that's resonated with me. And you know, I've I had a really strong dad, and I think I'm lucky he's a doctor, and he's he, he was very caring and take me to sport and all this kind of stuff. And that's something about to take on. But when I speak to a lot of boxers about what they got from the sport, a lot of it. Adam Harper near me is a guy who's hopefully coming back this year, but he had a adverse brain scan last year, but he's actually changed that around. It was it was found that it was a long-standing issue that wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily threatening to his his health and. He, he won the English Super Welter title in the autumn of 2018. And he said to me that he was homeless, living in Cheltenham in a shelter at 16. He'd fallen out with his mum. He'd never met his father. And he said that through boxing, suddenly discovering that, he found a lot yeah. of, father, of sort of father role models, people give him life lessons. I mean, is that something that in, in particular to the sport of boxing, and maybe MMA, I don't know too much. I'm trying to you know, learn a little bit about MMA as well, that maybe those fighter sports, they can Yeah, they do. Teach you do. That's where, that's where well. you find mentors. You find mentors come in all shapes and sizes. And a mentor will be a friend that know you better than, mm. uh, uh, know you better than, um, uh, than, 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 than a member of your family or whatever. And it could be a member of your family. It could be a friend. It could be somebody that just is smart enough to say, well, you know what, I know how you tick. I know I can translate how you, uh, your, the language you use or, or how you look. You're, I'm that person you need. We all mm. need a Brendan, I say. Um, um, and and not, not, we're not mm. all fortunate enough to find him uh, or in, in our lives, but we all need a Brendan. Yeah. And that... And, and we're not always as good blokes, are we? I don't think. When you look at it, it's often, I know women do box now and Shannon Courtney said it's turned their life around, but sometimes you think with men, you know, the history of us as, as, as fathers yeah. hasn't been as yeah. good necessarily yeah. as that, women as mothers. Why, you know, that's, sometimes. Why, uh, that's why people, people don't realise uh, that, that uh, when, if you've got something like that, something that can, can uh, teach you uh, and let you see things you just don't see, then, then trust me, it makes all the difference. And, and that's why when you get into boxing, you will find that somebody you trust. You'll find that somebody you're comfortable giving, opening up mm. to and thinking, you know what, I trust you with my vulnerabilities. And, and when you find that person, you keep hold of them mm. because it's very hard to find them again. Um, and, uh, and, and, and that's why boxing is one of those sports. I, don't, I can't speak to other sports, but boxing is one of those sports where it conjures up those individuals because it's, it can be primeval. You're, you're talking, and I know mm. it's not like being in the army. It's like life and death. It's the only place you can legally get killed, mm. and and so you've got to be, you've got to have someone in the mm. corner that you trust. When you come back to the corner and you're tired, <clears throat> when you're tired and you you you, you think somebody's gonna somebody's gonna do you, <laughs> someone's better than you. Uh, you're struggling in the fight. Mm. Uh, you've got to be, you've got to be, you've got to be smart enough to think, right? You know what? I need somebody I trust. I'm not, he's gonna say jump or this that, the other. It's got to be somebody mm. to say right. You, you trust his motivation to you as well because that's an issue, issue in boxing sometimes isn't it when people can perceive it as yeah, being a bit yeah. parasitic and, and that's of, what I'm saying and that's fighters. why so once you find that person uh, then then it may, you've got to keep hold of them unfortunately what happens is we think we, 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 we've done it all ourselves and we forget the hard times coming through um, uh, and that's what's important you just mm. uh, once you find that person you've got to keep hold of them did you draw on Brendan's teachings in becoming yeah. a dad? And now yeah, you're, without a you're doubt. granddad as well. Uh, and I, I actually remember uh, I, I used to get jealous of his kids because I thought, I wish I was one of his kids. And it's no disrespect <laughs> to my mom or dad, but I just, I, it was Brendan because I thought he's always telling you stories. Yeah. He's always thinking outside the box. box he's very unorthodox. And I, I used to think, how do you do that? How do you manage to yeah. spend so much time with us? But you've got a family, you've got five kids. You know, so you, yeah, you got it. So you're a husband. It's tough for them father, as well, yeah, yeah. But not just a father to your uncle, you're a father to all the kids in the gym, and you've got to deal with all their family problems as well. And 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 I just, to me, I was hmm. completely baffled. I never, ever, ever could understand how he did it, but he did it very naturally. Yeah. 
I'll tell you what I had um, Enzo Macronelli on the podcast last week, and it's interesting because I remember when we were doing toe to toe, you were flirting, I think, yeah. with the idea of coming back and, and fighting Marco Huck, probably in your late 40s, yeah. I'm guessing. Enzo turns 40 this year. He's had injuries, but he's, he's talking about coming back for a 50th and final time. Obviously, it's, I think, likely to be in cruiserweight. He's, he's kind of flitted between light, heavy and cruiser since the limit change. He's found it, he's found it difficult. But what would your advice well, be to, to him? It's hard because I know he's still got the bug. And um, we've we got to remember, again, I'll give mm. you an example. Mike Tyson all of a sudden hit the light headlines. You're seeing him do the pads. Oh, my God, he's the Don. He's blah, blah, blah. He's a... Yeah, yeah. And yeah, he's talked about right, ego throwing right, up so his jogging on a treadmill before. We've got to remember why this person <laughs> finished in the first place. Nigel Ben's another example. You know, we're remembering the good times, but we're not remembering the back mm. end of their career where the body didn't switch as quick as it used to do. The body didn't react as quick as it used to do. Uh, so so that we can't turn, change time. Yeah. But once you've had time out to relax and, and, and reassess, thinking, I could do that. I could do that. But it's our mind playing tricks on us because mm. when we get in the ring, if you come up against, up against a youngster that is not as good as you, technically, but it has more pace than you, he will do you every day of the week. And what will happen is you'll be frustrated because you're thinking, mm. I'm better than this. Mm. I don't want people to remember me for this. I'm better than this. Mm-hmm. Well, Enzo knew that against Roy Jones Jr., didn't he? In, yeah, in a exactly. Sense where so Roy Jones Enzo Jr. now ended up, is in against a position him. where he wants to fight and, and he unfortunately he's fallen into that trap of thinking, I'm better than this. Now, if he's coming back for a career uh, in boxing, then that's a bad move. If he's come out to fight, one mm. person who thinks, you know, I'll fight him, I think my pace... Uh, what I've got should be enough for him. Then I get it. I hear that. But if he's, yeah. if he's coming back with it, if he... And it, it, it's intangible, yeah. Is it because he's hitting times, yeah, Johnny, says, but would you... Different. Is it something it's, different it's not about you, when you're time. not... Yeah. It's about pace. It's, a, it's, about, it's about timing. It's about mm. that switch, that, that light switch reaction. And, and, and again, you know, we saw it with Kalichko when he boxed Joshua. Would Joshua have done that to Kalichko three or four years mm. before? No. Or five years before, no. Joshua was at the right time, right age. He still had this, uh, the clutch by the right time, right age. He still had the, the skill and looked the part, but he just didn't have that next level to step up it when it when, you, when it needed to be. Yeah, we think Zab would have finished him off. But timing is everything. And it was a, it was a great it was good timing, uh, mm. and um, and he would have been able to step it up once he had Joshua down. He would have been able to step and step around. But Joshua knew this. He's thinking, I've got a chance to fight for the world title. I'm going to fight you. And, and my time dry, mm. and it's a it's a good gamble because most people think is it is it right is it can you really do it you know and and that's why uh, <laughs> yeah. that's why it, it was so intriguing. So with with Enzo doing this, Enzo he's gonna he's gonna think of one why he's fighting, who he's fighting, and and uh, and his intentions for fighting. Uh, now, if he wants a career again, because what yeah. if he wins? And wins good and think, shit, I'm gonna do it again. I've got this. Yeah. Shit, yeah. I'm gonna do it again. I've got this. And all of a sudden, boom. Yeah. The worst thing is is when you see a sportsman yeah. uh, uh, that's a, that's achieved everything and anything, and he ends up losing to somebody that wouldn't have been able to tie a shoe That's when you end up with a lot of bitter ex sportsmen. Sure. You see it in football, yeah. you see it in, in boxing, you know, they, they start to resent their sport because the fans remember them for the latter part of the career instead of the, the heyday. Holyfield mm. was an example. You thought, oh, come on, you shouldn't be boxing anymore. You know, and many fights hmm. you see him boxing on. It's like Ali, the last, his last couple of fights, he looked yeah. bad, you know, and, and lost. Oh, yeah. But people yeah. have forgotten yeah. that because it was Ali. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, got, got hurt as well, didn't it? Was Ali. I think. But, yeah. but at the time, you know, it, it's hard hmm. being where you've been to, to have to come back and say, I got beat by this raw novice, you know. It's about, it's about yeah. Sort of about acceptance, isn't yeah. it? It's a situation and reality, I guess, at some point. But I think with you, it's interesting with you because we talk about hard work and graft and that's exemplified by boxing. But in life, there also seems to be this luck element, doesn't there? I don't know what you think. With the weight limits always strikes me in boxing. We talk about Carl Froch and he works with us at Sky and how he was sort of perfectly matched Without for doubt. super middleweight. Did you feel that way with Cruiserweight? Because you, you feel a bit of bitterness about Enzo because you used to tell in your career, wasn't it, when the cruiserweight limit went up, which probably suited you at the time, but 13 stone 8 to 14 4. And for him, he's like, yeah, I'm a 13 Enzo, 5. I'm suddenly in the thought, middle of no man's land. How the hell do you make cruiserweight? Never mind, like heavyweight. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, I, yeah. Suited me down to the ground. If I could have gone heavyweight, I've done heavyweight. But my, and even though I, I was tall and, and I had the frame, I just couldn't. Oh, God. I, listen, I've boxed many heavyweights. And I won heavyweight titles. 
But I didn't class myself as yeah. a heavyweight because I knew mm. if you're going to part as a heavyweight, especially a cruiserweight mm. going into heavyweight, you've got to have some. Ex- you've got to have some. You've got to have some advantage. Now you're not going to get in with a heavyweight that's taller than you plus weight, or or, or longer than you plus weight, mm. uh, quicker than you plus weight. You know, quicker, you fight some another heavyweight that's about your size. You might have the weight, but you'll be able to have boxing that moving that, that grooving. You know, Andy Ruiz is like I fight that heavyweight. You know, you're looking at <laughs> that sort of stuff. Uh, you, yeah. Yeah, that's, well, he's six look, feet. He's six at, feet flat. Uh, he's my sort of height, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, and people like that—they're not big units. And then uh, as we're looking at, unless how I look at it, but then you'd look at Wilder's, Fury's, Joshua's. These guys are big athletes. You're giving far too much away. And so I, I yeah. And they're coordinated, aren't they? Because the classic yeah. heavyweights like Ali and stuff, you said that they were like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, or whatever. And it seems like in those days, when you had a 6'6 six, six fighter, he wasn't yeah. considered to be athletes, coordinated and, and why, agile, but those guys why, now are. Um, that's why, I, 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 well, plus weight-wise, I couldn't get up any higher. You know, I think the heaviest, I, would, I think, I remember boxing mm. Corey Sanders. I weighed 13 stone 12. He came in about 17, 12. Mm. Uh, I can remember boxing uh, uh, Jimmy mm. Thunder down that. in Australia. Uh, in New Zealand again, I was in my thirteens. He was like, I think he was mm. eighteen, you know. So, I, so you're giving a lot away. Uh, wow! Uh, but then at cruiserweight, it suited me perfectly because I was bigger the weight, I was stronger the weight. Now you can get any fight, you can get down to any weight you want. Mm. You've got to be able to tie your shoelaces when you've done that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I could get you down to six stone, and you think, yeah, <laughs> but you can't, if you bend down, you won't get up again. Yeah, you yeah. pass out. So you, you, so you, so you've got to be you in a position up, where you're physically, yeah. <laughs> you're optimum. Physically, you're optimum. You're you're in a position where you yeah. think, right, I can do this. I'm top draw. They must, they must need another weight division there, don't they? Between um, like heavy and cruisers, twenty-five yeah, a pounds, gap. a big, so, big gap. So, but do you think? Remember, they bought cruiser. Difference between light heavyweight and heavyweight. You know, Bob Foster boxed Ali. Bob Foster was lower light heavyweight champion, mm. and boxing Ali. I think he boxed him twice. Ali didn't. And uh, mm. he, there was just too much of a difference. So, so again, mm. at Cruiserweight, uh, now they put up to 44. You never know. They might bring one in at 13 and a half, 13 some five, uh, uh, and do it like that. But, you know, mm. yeah, 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 that, that's right. Yeah, and and Cruiser so they light, might do it? that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. to give everybody a chance. But once you pass a certain point at Cruiserweight, you can mm. fight a heavyweight and give away so much. It's untrue. John, Johnny, I've, I've kept you long enough, but quickly give us a shout out to, to how we can follow you and, and also like any fitness tips you have or oh any my goodness. Tips, you psych- know what, psychological uh, you, tips for getting just, through the, just follow the next me on, period. Just on Instagram or whatever. Now. I'll pack you around, Johnny Nelson Sky. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and of course, you know, I'll keep putting stuff yeah. on on, uh, on Instagram Live as well, just to do a little bit, just to, just to uh, a, little, a few lockdown ideas. And you know, you never know, I might carry on doing it when I'm, uh, uh, when everybody's back, to, everything's back to normal, just to show that like, you don't have to be a Superman or a superhero to be able to do the simple things. Well, you've had your hip, hip replacements, haven't you? Got yeah, you do exercise with people exactly. with back issues, which is good because I've had two hip replacements, I have back issues. So, me doing what I'm doing, it, it gives you no excuse. You know, there's, there's 24 hours in a day. So there's always time to do something, and uh, and and look, it's making the most of yourself while you can, as you can. And so, um, uh, part of my lifestyle, I can't do what I did when I was 22, but I make the most of it. <laughs> Anytime, mate. Johnny, you're inspirational, mate. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for assisting with the, the we'll, new, the we'll new app, there. the new we'll technology as well. We're, we're getting right, there. Man. We'll be. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Be like Stephen Hawking by the end of it. Thank you, bud. Speak. Speak. There you have it, Johnny Nelson. Fantastic stuff. Good form there. Apologies for the uh, some of the sound disturbance. I think he was doing his washing up and a few other things. Uh, some gravel stomping on there. It's pretty rural, I think, up in Yorkshire near Sheffield. I'm not sure why he never became a football fan of United or Wednesday, but great to have him there. And I thought that was a really articulate, well-reasoned and uh, inspiring tale, really, of what boxing can do. And I think it's a counterbalance to the and why a lot of us are conflicted about the sport who cover it, because we know that it inspires stories like Johnny's coming from adversity from as he said an academic struggle really to get through school and then this inspired him to a career and, and rounded him as a person and led to, to many things including broadcasting at sky sports now fine broadcaster on top of his fight skills and i think a lot of that shone through his his personality his attitude and a lot of that was forged through that sort of mentorship under brendan ingle and the, and the kind of 
boxing was used as a, a conduit to inspire many lessons for him and that was uh, really cool to, to get to know. Can't believe he's a, a granddad, how fit he is and athletic and you can watch all his stuff online. Hope you like that, guys. Thanks again to Bang & Olufsen of Cheltenham, Jason Briggs and his team for the support of the podcast. Thank you to Cytoplan as well. If you want that supplement discount, do head to cytoplan.co.uk, I believe the website is, and Draper 10 is a discount if you do want some supplements, particularly in the mind of uh, the podcast we did with my father, Dr. Mark Draper, who specializes in micronutrition and has always been particularly concerned and more so at the moment with the impact of COVID-19 with immunity in the UK in particular because of the lack of selenium in our soil, the trace element, which is vital to protecting the cell from attack from viruses, he believes. And he recommends a, a supplement called Immunovite, which you can get at the Cytoplan website. And if you type in the discount code DRAPER10, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capitals, and then the number 10, you'll get a 10% discount. Anyway, guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. Do rate it on iTunes if you enjoy it. Thank you. And I hope lockdown for you as well is, is going okay. One quick note, actually, I'm hosting a talk this weekend at the first virtual weekend, a health weekend, and it's uh, Live Life Well by the people who organised the Cheltenham Wellbeing Festival, Alex and Lottie, two women in Cheltenham who are kind of inspirational, and they've put together a virtual weekend panel of great talks. It's a £10 uh, charge on the website to subscribe. That all goes to charities fa uh, fighting COVID-19, and key workers have free access, so nurses, doctors, food suppliers, whatever else might be classified as key workers. I know I have actually bizarrely have a letter myself, and if you have a letter, you can come for free there for sure from the government. Um, but yeah, check that out as well. It's a talk actually I'm doing on adventure psychology and how perhaps it can inspire us through this time. Speaking to a lady called Paula Reed, who uh, was the third British woman ever to ski from the coast of Antarctica, the 1,000 kilometers to the South Pole. And she talks about how the mindset you need for that can be translated to this situation in terms of going into the unknown, knowingly into the unknown. We're all in the unknown moment, I mean, unprecedented situation in the UK and globally billions of people affected by lockdown around the world okay guys thank you for your time today and if you could rate it it's wonderful stuff and I'm on social media Twitter so on and so forth Ed Draper 81 sports broadcaster in the UK and thank you for listening to the podcast cheers bye bye